All right. Good morning. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And we are still making our way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, last time we got into chapter number five and actually got down to verse number 22. I am in the process of um, getting the, the notes ready. Uh, for the book of Ephesians to publish, like I did Galatians and Acts. Let's see. I can get this up here for you. There you go. You can see there. Um, it is coming. Um, so uh, getting. I'm putting all my notes down. If you do pay attention to my uh, my website, you can see I'm starting to put my notes in there. And I kind of use this so that I can focus on them one session at a time so that when I copy them over into the, uh, into the book, um, it's just, it's just easier to work one session at a time. And if any of you are familiar with it, you know that, <laughs> uh, usually the first editions are yeah, I'm catching stuff. I don't have an editor or a proofreader or anything like that. So um, it's just my notes, which make a whole lot of sense to me uh, because it's just like our study today, you can see my notes there. But then I have to go in and put them into a paragraph format, you know, and uh, connect everything and try to make sure it all makes sense and you know, take out the typos and the heresy. <laughs> so, anyways, let's see. Ephesians chapter number five. I was in an accident uh, yesterday, by the way. I was coming through Madison Heights, Virginia, and a deer came out of nowhere. Went straight through the grill of my car. Uh, I probably hit her going about 50, and... Uh, it was a doe, so she flopped over into it. You know, the front of our cars are plastic, so she laid over into it. I stopped, uh, and she fell back out and ran off into the woods. So anyway, the car's still drivable, but uh, the whole front end's going to have to be replaced on it. So anyway, <laughs> um, you know how that is. It's just a very painful process, So, but I'm okay. Some folks have asked me, and it didn't hurt me at all. I hope the deer is okay. So Ephesians chapter 5, uh, as we've talked about, this turns to practical. Uh, we stopped off here where in verses 19 to 21, where Paul says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that's all one sentence. So whatever he's saying there, it's going together. <laughs> and like we explained last time, again, we can't pick and choose. You know, context, context. A verse out of context is a pretext. There's a lot of preaching going on like that. Um I mean, you can talk about submitting your, you know, speaking in psalms and hymns and making merrily, merrily in your heart and giving thanks. But the whole point of him setting that up is 
so that you can submit yourselves one to the other. Uh, these verses list the things that should be the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. First thing you're going to do is you're going to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Being filled with the Spirit results in a desire to worship God. And then you'll be singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And the result of worship will come from, the resulting worship will come from the heart. Um. You know, it comes, you know, out of the mouth, uh, the heart speaks. I mean, what comes out is coming from the heart. Uh, and then it'll result in a, a giving thanks. Um, that's, an, you know, as we are filled with the Spirit, we worship God out of the overflow of our heart in a thankful attitude. We'll be thankful for what God has done for us. Um, and then he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So again, submission is not very popular in our culture today. Uh, quite controversial. Uh, we draw all kinds of things from our past and we just don't like it. But the word just means simply to accept or to yield to the spirit force or authority another spirit force or authority. Um, and, you know, the word that comes to mind with me is just, it's, it's deference. It's, it's a certain amount of respect or esteem that we give to other people. Um, and our culture is very bad at this, especially in the Western world, uh, especially in the United States. We are not a collective society. We are very individualistic. Um, I mean, we, I mean, you can see what's going on now with our, you know, all the controversy. You know, you get one person that doesn't like a flag, one person that doesn't like a prayer, one person that doesn't like, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, they think the rest of us should stop doing that because they're offended by it. We are very much a minority-driven society. We so honor the opinion, the feelings of the individual. I mean, we'll even, you know, I won't, but society, we even call them by the pronouns that they prefer. You know, I mean, other cultures just laugh at that, but that's ours. Um, I think we're about done with that, to be honest with you. But, you know, we're still in that little uh, experiment at the moment. But, you know, our culture is just not very good at deference. It's not very good at submissiveness. Uh, and I believe it's one of the reasons our society is failing. I believe it's one of the reasons our democratic experiment is is falling. Um, um, so... You know, we just don't like deference. We don't like submission. We're very arrogant. We're very, uh, and we talked about that last time. But notice he concludes with saying, in the fear of the Lord. It's not going to happen if we don't fear God. It's not going to happen. One commentator put it this way, a believer's continual reverence for God is the basis for his submission to others. So naturally, if we don't fear God, Man, we we sure are not going to fear or, or give deference or 
submit to another person. We won't even submit to the Almighty. Um, you know, Proverbs 9, 10, and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's just not going to happen. We have, a, we have a society that makes very unwise decisions. Why? Because it does not fear God. And then we get into session 25, verse 22. Um, Wives, submit yourselves. Notice the very next word out of his mouth. Now he's going to give examples. Now he's going to give the practical. Wives, submit yourselves. And understand, he's building on this. If that's not happening, this is not going to happen. You know, if wives are not speaking to themselves in psalms and spiritual songs and singing, making melody in their heart, giving thanks for all things, um, if they're not first and foremost submitting themselves to these things in the fear of God, they're not going to be able to do this at all. (laughs) That's why unequally yoked marriages just do not work. And, you know, and I've had people come to me and, you can tell a mile off that is an unequally yoked relationship. Uh, he may love the Lord, but she doesn't love the Lord as much as he loves the Lord. Uh, and that's why Paul really warns against it. It's you're serving two masters, you know, uh, you know, and the one thinks, well, I'll, I'll pull them over to my side. Yeah, they're both thinking that way. And that's going to be the battle, the battle royale. Um, and most of the time I have found the believer, the Christian is the one that loses that because they've already compromised going into the relationship. They've already bended the knee. Okay. Um, because they're in disobedience to God. Uh, so he begins to show what true submission looks like practically. This submission as with any other is to be done as unto the Lord. Notice, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Um, I find it interesting that so many decry the plight of the woman in the West, and yet we live, they live, in one of the freest societies in the history of man. um, And this is because of Christianity. It's because of Christ. Uh, He made them equals and not property. Um, But what's happened in our culture, women's liberation, has turned itself on its ear. Um, Women's liberation has gone too far, in my opinion. And I see this all the time on college campuses. Men no longer open doors for ladies. Because when they do, the woman gets mad at them. Not all the time, but it's happened to me. I mean, I've held the door, and they'll stop and say, oh, no, you go. You know, which is their little way of saying, we don't want that kind of deference. We don't want that kind of treatment. You know, I've I've been in the parking lot at Lowe's, uh, and a lady trying to get an air conditioner out of a cart to put it in the back of her car. I walk up and, and ask, can I help? She immediately waves me off and snaps no. What are you going to do? You know, so she pulls it out. She drops it. I offer to help again. She says no. You know, um, she finally gets it in her car, and I offer to take her buggy. And she waved me off. She didn't want my help, you know. And 
So, you know, you do that so many times. You know, I reminded my boys as they were growing up, you be a uh, um you be a gentleman even if they are not a lady. You know, your being a gentleman does not depend upon them being a lady. Uh you offer to open the door. You offer to let them have your seat. You offer to carry the bag. If they don't want that, that's on them. But so many young men in our society have just given up. They don't even try. They want to be equal. There you go. You know, I mean, and now you've got, you know, men who are apparently better at being women than they are. <laughs> you know, um, you know, they, they put on the bikinis. They, uh, you know, they change their pronouns. And all of a sudden, women's sports is being completely destroyed. Uh, beauty contests are being won by men. I mean, the patriarchy is winning again. <laughs> I mean, um, obviously, you know, make better women than they do. I mean, it's just, and why is all this happening? I mean, it's just, it's just sad to watch. It's not God's plan. Uh, God's plan for men and women are simply different. And the more we pull away from that plan, the worse it's going to become for all of us. And we are equal. You know, Paul talked about that actually here. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 3 and 9, I was at a midweek Bible study the other day. Um, and, you know, we got into 1 Corinthians 11, which can be a very, another very controversial. And again, the only reason it's controversial is because we don't like the whole submit part in our culture. Um, most young people today rewrite the vows. They don't like the, the submission part. And yet that's the way God made it, you know, and he points out that Paul, again, in Corinthians chapter 11, now I praise you in verse number two, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I, I as I delivered unto, unto you. But I would have, you know, that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. Oof, see, you know, don't like that. And the head of Christ is God. And what most people miss here, and, you know, the, the teacher last Wednesday pointed this out. Let me ask you this. Is God equal to Christ? And if you believe in the Trinity, you would say, well, yeah. I mean, Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is Christ. They're all equal. And yet it says there that the head of Christ is God in the order. But yet they're still equal. And that's what Paul is trying to establish here. There is an order, but you're still equal in the sense of your worth and your value to God. But Christ has a role that God doesn't have, and God has a role. He is the head of the Trinity. Christ is the body, the manifestation of of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the dial tone, if you will. You know, I mean, it's through and with the Holy Spirit that we communicate with God when our spirits are made alive. But yet they're all equal, but they have different functions. And that's what Paul, that's why he, when he's going into these things here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, he's just trying to establish the fact that we're all, yes, we're all equal, but we have different roles. Um, and uh, that's what Paul was trying to explain there. Um, so, you know, God's plan for men and women are simply different. 
God made men hunter-gatherers. He made women able to bear children, to raise children, to rear children, uh, makers and keepers of the home. Uh, that doesn't make one better than the other. It just means that they need each other. Um, you know, that word help meet, I will make a help meet comparable to him, which is what God said before he created Eve. That help meet means she's going to help meet where he is weak. Uh, and he's going to help meet her and her shortcomings. He needs her and she needs him. Together they are equally yoked. They make one. And no man shall put them asunder. They become one flesh. My wife completes me. I complete her. And we do. We marry our opposite. We're attracted to our opposite. I'm a type A. She's. I'm a type B. She's a type A. <laughs> Uh, I am laid back. It takes a lot to get me excited. She's not. She's very aggressive. Um, I'm not the greatest in the world with numbers. She's very good with numbers. I am very good with people when it comes to uh, loving, nurturing friendships, relationships. She's not. I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. I mean, I married my opposite. You know, when a couple comes to me and says, we are just alike. I hope not, because you don't need to marry yourself, okay? You need to marry someone that's going to make up where you're weak, that's going to fill in the gaps where you fall short, and that's what a marriage is. We're equal in that sense. Um, so, you know, obviously, Paul would not have mentioned this if he had not deemed it to be an issue. Um you know, why would he say, you know what, wives, you need to submit your own husbands? I mean, apparently he believes they have a problem in that area. And it really goes back to the Garden of Eden. You know, uh, Adam laid down the rules for Eve. Uh, Adam, God talked to Adam, not to Eve. Eve talked to the man, which goes back to Corinthians 11 uh, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. She was responsible to Adam. Um, and she defied Adam and went to the tree and ended up having a conversation with the devil. Um, you know, so, and when you look in Scripture, um, you'll see that women just do have issues <laughs> with submission, and you'll find that men have issues with loving unconditionally. Because women are told repeatedly to submit, and men are told repeatedly to love. Um, and the, the truth of the matter is, if we loved her as Christ loved the church, then she wouldn't have a problem submitting to us. You know, um, it's just that's where it's going wrong, and that's why marriages fail. Uh, and you know what? It doesn't matter if you believe that or not. You know, it's in the Bible. My The Bible is my fact checker. You know, and if what you're saying disagrees with what the Bible presents, you know, I'm going to mark your content as being wrong. <laughs> uh, interestingly, men are never told exclusively in Scripture to submit. 
but to love. Uh, why? I can only assume that men have problems loving and women have problems submitting. Uh, and it, in actuality, it only works when both play their parts. Um, and again, we're equal. It's just we're different. God made us different. Our roles, you know, I mean, a man puts on a, a bikini, you know, with the tuck option, uh, and he gets in a pool with a female, what's going to happen? He's probably going to beat her and beat her bad because we are not equal in that sense. Men are broader. They're stronger. They have more endurance. And I find it interesting. It's only the men that want to put on the dress and play with the women. It's a minority of women that want to put on pants and play with men. You know, why is that? Because the men know they can dominate. It's just what a society. Hopefully, we'll we'll get over this. Europe is waking up. Europe's already awake to this. Um, hopefully, we'll wake up too. Uh, and kids, of course, the notion's not popular to debate today. And the divorce rates, the broken families, the single motherhood bear this out. We can see it in our society. Uh, so many young men are being raised by mothers. Well, I mean, the sad thing is mom can't teach her boy how to be a man. Can't do that. A man can't teach a girl how to be a lady. Uh, it takes two. Um, you know, when I pastored years ago in South Texas, I had a huge Cub Scout uh, pack. And many of those kids, young boys, this is before the Boy Scouts went woke and started letting the girls in. These were all young boys, you know, first through fifth grade. And um, a lot of them came from broken families. I was the only male role model little Emilio had. And my leaders were the only role models uh, that they had. So the parents were wise enough. And I preached from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. You know, if you're a single mom, you need to have your boy around men so that they can emulate men. Because what's happening, if you don't have them all around men, they're going to emulate women. And that's why our society is becoming so effeminate uh, with our men. Um, because they are not given role models because men uh, have, for the most part, forsaking, forsaken their obligations as fathers. And that goes both ways. Um, you know, um, years ago, you know, I don't know if some of you may remember this, but I old you are. There was a show, I think it was Murphy Brown. Um, she had a child out of wedlock on a television show. It was scandalous that television would even hint at that. Um, of course today, I mean, the vast majority of children, uh, are born out of wedlock. Uh, and the government is their dad. Um, and that's, you know, God has established a, a natural order, um, whether we like it or not. And there are consequences when that natural order is not followed. And we as a culture are reaping those consequences. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we pointed at this, chapter 11, 3 through 9, but I would have you know that every that the head of every man is Christ, 
the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. And of course, who is the man's cover? The man's cover is Christ. Okay? Um, but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Who's the head of the woman? The man. Okay? For that is even all one as if she were shaven. In other words, she's disrespecting. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Again, there's a whole bunch of cultural issues there. Um, but it says, he, he goes on to build this case. We'll talk about shorn here and things like that in another study. Uh, but he says in verse 7, this is his justification. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he's made the image and the glory of God, but the woman is in the glory of the man. What does she mean by that? What does he mean by that? Woman came out of the man. God created the man out of nothing, and God created the woman out of the man. For the man is not of the woman. The, the man didn't come out of the woman, but the woman came out of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman. The man was self-sustaining. And God said it's not good the man should be alone. And he brought all the animals of the field to Adam so that he would name them. And Adam realized that there was none comparable to him. Adam didn't even know he was alone. Adam didn't even know he was lonely until he realized that all the animals were male and female. And then God put Adam to sleep and created the woman. So, but the woman for the man. And for this cause, ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. So, again, that's a complete other study. Um, also in Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fitting in the Lord. Uh, it's not blind obeisance. I mean, there, there's things there that we could talk about. But, but notice here, and even in Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. You know, the next verse in Ephesians that we're going to get to next time, husbands love your wives. Why does it keep saying that? Because one has a problem submitting, one has a problem loving unconditionally. In Titus chapter 2, verse 5, to be discreet, talking about women, Titus 2, 3, the age of women likewise. Can you see why the modern feminist movement does not like the Bible? Um, and you mark my words, you find a female pastor, she is going to have a disdain for Paul. Because Paul... His whole justification for women not being pastors is, is Eve, in that Eve uh, rebelled against the authority of her husband. And that is why she is disqualified for being an authority over men. I mean, Paul builds this argument that disqualifies them from ministry, so they naturally have to put down Paul and lift up Jesus, as they'll say. Um, but anyway, another study. The age of women, likewise, that they be behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be keepers at home, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God not be blasphemed evil spoken of, 
again, our culture just completely rejects this. But any culture that rejects this will be to their own peril, whether they believe it or not. You don't have to believe it. You know, people say, well, I don't believe in hell. You're still going there. I mean, you don't have to believe in God for God to exist, okay? You don't have to believe in hell for hell to exist. You don't have to believe in gravity for gravity to exist. You don't have to believe in the law of consequences, but they're going to happen. There are consequences. For, for every action, there is an opposite yet equal reaction. I mean, we learned that in school, didn't we? <laughs> so, so, again... I mean, uh, and then Paul turns in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So now Paul turns his attention to the husband. And he tells them to love their wives just as Christ loves the church. How much did Christ love the church? So much that he gave himself for it. So much so that he laid down his life for it. So much so that he was falsely accused and beaten for it. That's some serious love. In like manner, the husband should be willing to lay his life down for the wife. I mean, marriages would work if we would do this, okay? But our society, I don't need no man. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> Culture needs men. Men build things. Uh, men are hunters, gatherers, providers. And believe it or not, men can swim faster than women. Men can run faster than women. Men can bike faster than women. Men can plow through women, you know, <laughs> in, uh, in sports. God made them different. They're equal, but they're different. They have different roles. And a society that doesn't want to yield to that is going to be the one that we're walking in today. Um, next time we get together, I'm at 30 Minutes. Uh, why should women submit and husbands love their wives? That he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word. Who's he that he might sanctify and cleanse it? We'll talk about that next time. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. Working all things out for our good.